Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. I'm very psyched that my good friend Richard Chang is here. Richard, say hi to all these nice people. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Well, thanks for being back on the podcast. So we're going to talk about something that's been coming up a lot with folks in Richard's classes, which is how do I get a job, right? Yeah, so I have a lot of students coming in. Um, they're you know very curious about this kind of agile Scrum community world, and they're looking to either kind of get a job as a Scrum master uh, or transition into uh, an agile uh, role. Okay, and so that's something that we've seen a lot in recent uh, year or two. Okay, and before we go on with it, would you mind telling these people a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you make bring home the bacon every day? <laughs> Sure. My name is Richard Chang. I'm an agile trainer and coach uh, based out here in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I recently went independent after having been a, a company man for decades and decades. I've just recently gone on, on my own. And so if anyone wants to look me up, I'm actually in the midst of building my website now. I went independent about a month ago, but you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. On Twitter, it's at Richard K C H E N G. On LinkedIn, you can search for Richard uh, Chang and find me on LinkedIn. Okay. And uh, at this point, I am doing a lot of training and coaching and such. All right. So we'll make sure we have links to that in the show notes. Um, and Richard I, and I have been friends for a very, very long time and have spoken together at conferences and got into a lot of trouble together. So, And, <laughs> and we're going to talk about going independent later in the podcast as well. So if that's something you're sure. curious about, because that uh, can be a scary move for a lot of people. But... Let's talk about the folks that show up. So when we when you've got people in classes who are looking for scrum master jobs, like what are they doing when they get there? Are they on you know, agile teams or not? So I get all sorts. I um I have people that are on agile teams today, maybe as an analyst or a tester or developer or in operations, or even on companies that do agile, but maybe on other parts of the organization that want to get onto the agile teams. So I get that. But I also get people from other industries altogether. I one I had actually not one but two people that were actually uh, policemen. They're uh, wow. police officers, cops who uh, who were telling me, "Yeah, this job is rough. You know, it's it's dangerous. Everyone hates me, and and we don't have the resources they need." And they like saying, "You know, they want something more stable, something more kind of um, uh, you know, well stable and solid and pays well." And they really like to get into the scrum master role. So, I had police okay. officers. I've had physical therapists. I've had teachers. So, I have people in all sorts of different industries. Uh, looking to transition into uh, into uh, our industry. All right, and this is a very weird time to be like in in technology. I mean, you've got th there's stuff happening in the job market in general. Like if I, I mean, if I was a cop, I would probably not want to do that anymore either because of the things going on. Um, I mean, they're at risk and they're not appreciated the way that they should be. And um, I mean, just this the past two weeks that the sheer volume of IT workers and knowledge workers that have been released into the wild from all the big companies. Um, it's a busy, busy landscape, the job market right now. It, you know, it's certainly, it's, it's been a kind of a very interesting past few years, right? Um, prior to the pandemic, it seemed like we were kind of on a relatively kind of straightforward uh, path. Uh, but now things seem to be a bit more kind of, um, it's wild, wild west out there, and, and the day to day is is kind of crazy. So who knows what happens? You know? And then, like you're pointing out, there's you know, Twitter's kind of amplifying a lot of the craziness out there. But what's going on over there is just you know, it's like a soap opera happening in real time. It's, it's yeah. amazing. 
Well, and I was reading one article that was, you know, they were asking some of the people, I think at Facebook or Meta or whichever, whatever name it's going by, um, like what happened. And the explanation was that everybody was just assuming the growth was going to continue, like even through the pandemic, right? People were getting hired like crazy. And between Meta and Amazon and Twitter and all the other companies <laughs> shedding employees, like, I mean, it's just nuts right now. Um, and, and there's also the great resignation, like all the people that just quit their jobs in other fields. So there's probably a lot of folks out there looking for opportunities that they're going to find rewarding and fulfilling. Um, and how, like, if, if you were, if you met somebody who didn't know what a scrum master was, how would you explain that job to them? So it's very interesting because the scrum master role is probably one of the most misunderstood roles in terms of kind of the agile and the scrum kind of, uh, uh, areas, right? Because it's not a traditional project manager. It's not a team lead. It's not a tech lead. Think of it more like a team-based coach. They're really there to ensure the team is uh, effectively working together. Um, they're effective in the Scrum framework. They're effectively understanding their the agile concepts. They're there to help ensure impediments are being removed and help promote an environment of continuous improvement. And it's something that a lot of companies haven't seen before. And so a lot of companies have a, a uh, misconception of what the role actually is. Yeah, there's this weird thing where um, I've been thinking a lot about the fact, like if you if you are at a company that's moving over to Agile, you'll often bring in coaches, like outside people whose job it is to watch the teams work and help them get better. And within the team, we have the Scrum Master who's supposed to be helping the team do that too. But you never have that in project management. Like there's not a project management coach. Yeah, what's interesting is, you know, traditional project management is really about delivery of the product, right? Delivery of the project is really about, you know, we talk about the triple constraints, scope, schedule, cost, quality. Um, as a project manager, we're really trying to ensure successful completion of these projects, which makes sense. As a scrum master, you know, that's certainly going to be an aspect of it, but it's really about kind of the, the continuous improvement of our capabilities and our capacity and our abilities. And so delivering the project, yes. Delivering the product, yes. But it's about kind of a different perspective on that is that to ensure we're doing it effectively and we're doing it well, where we have engaged workforces, engaged teams, high quality product, you know, satisfied customers um, and helping create an environment where all that is possible. Okay. So if I want to ask you this question two different ways, if I was somebody who came to your class Mm -hmm. and you were trying to talk me into the job of scrum master, what would you tell me is awesome about that job? I think it's very rewarding when you do it well, uh, when you're in a great environment, right? Because what you see here is you see people flourishing, people, your employees are happier, your uh, business is happier, the organization's happier, your customers are happier. I've worked with a lot of clients. This includes my clients at Progressive Insurance, Office of Personal Management, Motley Fool, where uh, in the past, business and IT did not get along. When I was at OPM at Progressive, there are instances where business and IT you couldn't put them in the same room together without a fight breaking out. And uh, being integrated together on Scrum teams, what we saw was better kind of, um, it became less of an us and them, right? You guys can never give us what we want. You know, you're always letting us down. You never meet your commitments. You never give us the information we need. Into more of a we, you know, we're succeeding. We're working on this together, right? Okay. And so one thing I think I've seen really well is that you have teams that are better integrated together that, um, create better cohesion and break down some old silos. So I think that's been great uh, for scrum masters as well. I'm looking at Glassdoor right now. So Glassdoor uh, base has a 
December 2021, uh, Scrum Masters make somewhere, according to GlassDoor.com, between 92K to 153K a year, with an average about being 118 based on the Glassdoor survey. So that's you know pretty that's good. That's great, yeah. And so there's uh, great salaries to be had out there too. If you look at the job postings, you'll see a lot of Scrum Master jobs out there. You'll see job postings that say stuff like certified Scrum Master, uh, CSM credentials uh, required or CSM credentials uh, preferred. And so you see still pretty good demand for this position. Okay. So I have a whole bunch of questions I'm going to ask you about this for people that are kind of headed in this direction. But the first one sure. I want to ask, which I'm not sure how how you're going to receive this question because I know you and I don't know if you're going to like the question or not. <laughs> if you were trying to talk me out of the job of Scrum Master or make sure yeah. I was aware of all the crappy parts of it, um, how would you like warn me just to make sure that I knew yeah. what I was getting into? You know, if you're someone that really wants the, the, the limelight, if you're someone that wants the attention – as a Scrum Master, it's not trying to draw attention to yourself. It's really trying to draw attention. It, 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 Scrum Master is a servant leader, which means that I'm really creating an environment of success. Right? Success doesn't happen because of me. I want success to happen oftentimes in spite of me. Whereas a Scrum Master, my job is to go up to my team members and say, what can I do today for you to be successful? And so you really have to be comfortable really kind of enabling those around you to be successful. So if you want to be the superstar and grab all the attention, grab the spotlight, this probably isn't the right role for you. Um, <laughs> also, good. if you don't like working with people, if you don't like working with people, if you don't like talking to people, if you don't like uh, collaborating with people, if you don't like uh, engaging people, as a scrum master, you know, as a scrum master, uh, uh, we really shouldn't have a lot of authority. All my authority comes from kind of influence yeah. and collaboration. And so, if you're not really good kind of working with people, this probably isn't the role for you as well. Okay, so I want to put a caveat on there because um, I am somebody who is pretty introverted. Um, and, and if you ask me, like, hey, would you like a job where you have to go work with people all day long? I'd be like, well, uh, maybe not. <laughs> um, but I love – my favorite job on the team is a Scrum Master job because to me, each person I work with is like a puzzle. And when I combine them together, they're completely different puzzles, and the puzzles change all day long. So what I love about the job is the variety of problems that I have to solve. Um, and there's a big aspect of this job to me that is just sitting and watching people sort of like I'm somebody filming a nature documentary. Like I'm in the, in the brush watching the lion take down the gazelle. I'm just watching people interact and, and I'm wondering like, why did that just happen? Noticing stuff and wondering if I can find a way to help this system function better and deliver better yeah and there's a lot of rewards to that i mean you know when you see that improvement happening uh it's great one of my clients is office of personal management opm they're nowhere perfect by far but a lot of what they're doing now versus 10 years ago is night and day so that's fantastic um so watching that improvement i was working with uh, one team at the department of defense there was one person on the team that they kind of written off as uh, being useless uh but uh, once we started doing Scrum and once this person had a chance to kind of really get integrated into daily Scrums and really talk about what they were doing and really kind of break out of their kind of pigeonholed silo, yeah. uh, we really saw this person flourish into a, a contributor to a team where uh, before that they were kind of – they kind of wrote them off as just keep that person in the corner and don't yeah. let them do any harm. Uh, we're really transitioned <laughs> to that. Keep them away from the sharp a, things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> into a, a great contributor. And so stuff like that. 
is rewarding. Yeah. Okay. So I want to check in with you on one more thing before we start moving on to how people can get into this role. Um, when I'm teaching the class about this, part of what I'm trying to explain to folks is that a lot of the people that we encounter at work have been put into roles and told, you know, you're not somebody we want to be creative. We just want you to do the thing the way we tell you to do it. And you can have your little thinky time on the weekend because we don't trust you. And the scrum master comes in and is basically saying, no, no, we do trust you. Figure it out. I Just show us when it's ready. And I think that that's really problematic for people that have been taught to not do that. And so there's this element of the job where you're you're kind of like almost like a therapist, but you're kind of helping people heal a little bit and feel comfortable and safe rising up into the challenge of scrum, which is you show up at a very different level than you did under waterfall. You have to fully engage in what's going on. Yeah. And there's quite a bit to unpack there too, because part of it is kind of understanding why that's happening. Um, I've worked with teams before where you had basically disengaged workforces because they didn't create an environment of safety and trust. And so in that situation there, you know, they would do something and they always got kind of reprimanded or, or kind of overturned. Yeah. And so they just stopped taking the initiative. And so we have to rebuild that safety and trust and then kind of uh, tell them, you know, show them, not just tell them, show them, you know, show them the experiences and the examples where, no, going forward, it's safe to this kind of stuff. We want you to do stuff. We want you to engage. We want you to innovate innovate we want you to take ownership we want you to take accountability and we'll have layers of safety and trust built in to enable that um it's one thing to say it, but you actually have to kind of build that up over time where it happens it doesn't happen overnight it's going to take time to build but once you can start establishing that culture you're going to start seeing great results generally yeah because the other problem though is there are people that just aren't comfortable there are people that say you know, just tell me what to do and you know just let me do it and that's fine uh, and those, yeah right well, not, maybe it, not on the um, scrum team, but, but we need people like that too. Yeah. And so for people like that, we have to figure out kind of, you know, how that works. It might be on a different team or it may be um, kind of working with other folks. So we'll have to kind of figure those out as the situations come up. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the stuff that we're talking about, if you're listening to this, it's stuff that you might not pick up if you just read the scrum guide and tried to understand what the scrum master's job is. Cause there's layers to this job like the more you get into it, just it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And when your team gets to a place where they are actually making a meeting commitments, to me, like that's where the job actually kicks in. That's when you have to figure, start challenging yourself to find ways to add value for these people. Um, but what if I am that cop that you mentioned or um, the physical therapist or somebody who's coming out of doing 20 years in the service? Like if they want to get a job as a scrum master – they don't have any paper experience that they can demonstrate on this kind of work. How do they get started? How do they get a gig? Yeah. And I actually probably wouldn't recommend they start as a scrum master. What I would recommend for them is just get on an agile team somehow, right? Whether it's as a tester, or as an analyst, get on an agile team uh, so that you have that experience. So you can see what a scrum master does. You can see how an agile team works. It's kind of the age old question a lot of, you know, college grads get into is how do I get experience without that experience? Mm -hmm. And so the key thing is just to get on a team somehow. And usually um, a role like a tester or an analyst may potentially be an easier, uh, uh, the barrier entry may not be as high. So my advice to them is get on a team or identify if there's like volunteer opportunities you can do, have to work with agile teams. 
but it's to get some of that initial experience so you can see what a Scrum Master looks like. You can see how the uh, role works and you can see the dynamics of Scrum teams. Okay. Uh, along with that, I think uh, networking, going to your local user group meetings are great. A lot of local user group meetings are starting to meet in person again. There's a lot of people there with great experience and advice. Um, training is always a great one. Like I said, the, the CSM is a great two-day class. It gives you foundational knowledge, but it's also great on the resume. A lot of people look for that CSM credential when they're hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, going to different events and conferences is a great way to kind of network as well. So I think networking is great. Uh, getting on social media, LinkedIn is great. Um, Don't say Twitter. And uh, <laughs> LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, you know, whatever the, uh, well, when it comes to professional work, I think LinkedIn is really a, uh, a great venue. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned volunteering and I, and I always recommend that to people too. And I, to me, volunteering is not just because it might give you a chance to do some scrum master work, but I think if, if you're volunteering in whatever your profession is, I think that that is a really powerful tool in terms of making sure you have job security and just the ability to bounce back if things don't go your way sometimes, not to mention the network and everything else. It gives you like a whole support system. But are there ways, maybe not through volunteering, like even if it's just different practices, have you ever experienced anything yourself or seen other people take some of the job of Scrum Master and start to use it in the home or for projects they're working on, like on the side or anything like that? Sure, yeah. People have taken it and done it. I've seen people do it to plan their weddings. I've seen people do it to plan like their uh, uh, Boy Scout uh, troop stuff. I've seen it, people do it for their side hustles or side gigs. I've seen it, people do it for church groups. Um, and so it's great. One of the things I do a lot of work with is with uh, the Agile Alliance and the Scrum Alliance, mm-hmm. helping put together their conferences. And we use a lot of the concepts in the in those conference settings or to actually organize and put together the conferences as well. So there's great opportunities to take what you learn and apply it into kind of areas outside of your nine to five day job. Yeah. hundred percent. And even if like you mentioned planning a wedding, even if it's something like that, you know, you're in a job interview and somebody's like, well, you don't have any experience. It gives you something to talk about and it, it lets you create a conversation where you can show to somebody like, I may not have had this job, but I do understand a bit about how it works and I'm ready for a next next step opportunity to like take it a little bit further. Right. And if you really want to get deep into it, I mean, I, I recommend just reading a lot about these concepts because it really gives you good language. So let's say I'm planning my wedding, right? I could say, so, you know, I, I may not have a lot of experience, but the, I got married recently, I planned a wedding and, you know, for the wedding planning, it wasn't so much scrum because it was just me and my uh, spouse, my future spouse, but we use more of a Kanban-based flow approach. So what we did is first identified our workflow uh, by visualizing it. It's one of the first steps in Kanban. We then created limits to our work in progress in each flow. We created transitional policies to identify when we were kind of ready for next steps on certain items and when certain items were done. We had regular replenishment meetings to make sure we brought the uh, new parts of our workflow into our path. And so once you can uh, really get comfortable with the concepts and ideas, you can start demonstrating that you understand these concepts and ideas, even in something as simple, or I shouldn't say simple, even as something outside of work, like planning a wedding, you can demonstrate that, hey, I've done a complete combo flow here. I know what the concepts are, and uh, you can kind of uh, speak to it in a smart and intelligent way. Yeah, and, and and I think you know both Richard and I would probably agree that most of the people we know who do this stuff, they do it at home too. Um, and so that 
it's going to help you build rapport with the people that are interviewing you, help them um, see you as more of a, you know, a human being instead of just somebody who's, you know, checking boxes on a resume. Um, and it, it might be the thing that helps get you in the door when you're trying to get that job. Um, what about imposter syndrome and people, you know, worried that they're coming in? I get a lot of people in class like, well, I don't have the experience. Um, do you have any words of wisdom for them in terms of how to get past that or how to not let that be a barrier for them? Yeah, no, I think even the the best of us have that, right? You probably have that. I have that. Uh, I think uh, that's just kind of something. There's always something in the back of our minds, sometimes kind of, you know, that, that voice of doubt. And so really, it's it's really, you know, what are we trying to achieve here? Just put our best foot forward to try to achieve it. One thing that I found helpful is kind of um, creating a network, right? Having people uh, that kind of do some more stuff that I can kind of bounce ideas off of and get thoughts from. I think, you know, when you're starting out, um, mentoring is great. So if I can find someone that is a more skilled scrum master coach to help kind of uh, work with me to grow grow my capabilities, help kind of uh, uh, speed up the learning curve and, yeah. and watch out for kind of a lot of traps and pitfalls, I think that's a great idea. But what I also love is pairing. So in a pairing relationship, you find someone else that's about where you are and you work together to help each other learn and grow. We're even creating a cohort where we get several of us together that are about the same place and help each other learn and grow. I think all that's really great. It makes for a great kind of um, ability to share my uh, uh, successes as well as my frustrations and my concerns and my anxieties with others to kind of help them talk me through it. Yeah, I think that's really, and I've seen you like you and double do that together when you're getting ready to give presentations. And I mean, that pairing idea never, it's always relevant. It's always an important and valuable thing to do is have some people who can, offer you feedback, help you find the stuff you're not seeing and help you raise your game. Well, I remember when we were in the uh, scrum gathering in uh, Arizona years ago, we had to do these uh, talks next day, these uh, 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 short brief talks. Yeah. Yeah, What were they called? The lightning talks. Yeah. Pachachka. Pachachka talks. Yes. And so, uh, (laughs) Dob, I wanted to call them uh, Machu Picchu, but that's not right. Well, a lot of people say Pecha Kucha. Yes, Pecha Kucha. That's what it is. Yes, Pecha Kucha. I think it's one one of those two. I believe it is Pecha Kucha. So they're they're short talks, but they're, they're, well, yeah, they're just brief talks. And so we had to give these next day. So myself and Dobble Panchal and uh, Tom Perry got together the night before, and we were kind of practicing, rehearsing it. And it was funny because so when we were doing the night before, Dobble – his toxins, he was very nervous. It was kind of a little uh, spotty here and there, and uh, and he was very nervous with it. And so uh, we were all working together, and Tom gave him some great advice. And uh, the next day, Dobble goes out there and just kills it. He goes out there, and he's fantastic. He's calm. He's smooth. The talk is great. And he you know, just shined. And it was amazing seeing where he where he was the night before, just kind of nervous and spotty the next day, where it seemed like he was a polished, paid keynote speaker giving a talk. And so us three working together, helping each other smooth that out, I think, uh, I think really helped kind of um, hone that to the next day. So I think, you know, finding your peers and working together um, through it, I think is a great idea. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, I remember sitting watching guys, I was so proud just seeing the work that you're doing there. Um, one of the things I would, I also want to kind of suggest is that if you're trying to get your first job as scrum master, I think a lot of people, 
put too much weight on their own shoulders when they're walking into this. Um, I was working at a big consulting company and I was trying to do agile and I finally had to come to grips with the fact that the place I was, was never going to give me what I needed, like the environment or the teams or the structure I needed to do agile. And I needed to go find a place that could already do it. And I kind of figured that it was going to take a little while. It took five jobs to, to end up at a place that could actually do it. So if you're trying to get a job as Scrum Master, maybe just look at that first gig as that's just the first step, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect, but it'll allow you to put the job on your resume. Or like Richard said, you get on an agile team. And then you can use that to go find a better one. And you keep building on it that. In, in Scrum, everything we do is iterative. And I think you moving into this career, that's iterative as well. It's going to take a couple different companies, a lot of different experiences, a lot of stub toes, and then you'll be there. Yeah. What you realize uh, when you do this after a while is no company is perfect, right? No company is perfect. No team's perfect. And so when you're in these situations, what I can do is identify in, on this team and in this company, what are we doing well, right? And let's really recognize and maximize that. And what are we you know, not doing as well yet? And let's identify that and help develop a pathway there. Some companies are really far along in their agile implementation. Uh, some are just starting off in very green and some don't yet and maybe never will have the right kind of culture or infrastructure for it. And so the Scrum Master have to identify, you know, do I want to stay and kind of try to uh, implement that infrastructure and culture support it? Or is that battle going to be, is that kind of journey, that path going to be too much for me that I may need to look elsewhere to kind of continue my path? That's something each individual will have to decide for themselves. But just know that no place you go is perfect. Yeah. Um, and there's always kind of something that, you know, we want to be able to change and uh, do better uh, as Scrum Masters within the organization. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you about another thing about this. So let's say that I'm somebody who's looking for a job as Scrum Master. And there, I, I did a podcast with a colleague of yours. That's your new gig, Jeff Howie. Um, we, we were talking about the rise of this job of technical program manager or technical project manager um, and all the things it wants people to have in their background, like serious development experience, plus serious traditional project management experience, plus serious agile experience, plus like design thinking and product ownership. And it's a really tall order um, that a lot of people can't fill. And I think like, I guess, what would your advice be to somebody who walks into a job interview and it becomes very clear to you that either the company or the person in HR who's interviewing you is expecting things that are not, not only not humanly possible, <laughs> but, but really unlikely to find all that stuff in one person? Like, should you just take the job anyway and try to bluff your way into it? Well, I, I think that's a question that is going to be challenging to answer because I think it's going to be based on situation and based where, where you are in life, right? If you're in a place where, you know, you got money to come in, we have to pay the bills and, and this and that, you know, your options may be more limited. If you're in a place where I have a good nest egg to fall back on, I have other options, right? You may be a little more, uh, you may have more options whether you want to take these jobs or not. Uh, but I think what you should do, I think what I would do in that situation is I'd still answer the questions as best as I can, as honestly as I can, while painting a positive um, message, right? And say that, uh, tell the recruiter, say, you know, to find all these capabilities in one person would be, may potentially be challenging. Here's why. Uh, but based on the skill sets you mentioned, here's what I have, here's where I really shine. Uh, some skill sets I may not have yet may include the following, and you know, that may or may not be an issue or risk. We can talk about that. 
And so I would still kind of honestly um, and positively express my capabilities. And I would also honestly, as well as positively express my concerns. And then, you know, if I get off of the job, then I can make the decision as to whether I want to pursue it or not. Um, and like I said, depending on kind of where you are in life and where you are with your um, needs, uh, your options are different in yeah. terms of what you want to do with that offer. I'm really glad you said that because if they, I think like what you brought up is really important. If somebody just needs to, to get money to feed their family, like you take whatever you can get. If you're in a really toxic environment at your current company, you take whatever you can get because you have to get to a healthier place. But I do think that having taking the time to think through like what is my larger goal? Am I trying to find a gig that will help me learn how to do this job or get better at this job? If I get into a situation where they want things that are not, you know, it's, it's more than I can do. Like, what am I going to learn from this gig? How can I take something yeah. so that you're working for yourself and just getting paid by another person? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Dave. And I think part of it's also my personal goals, right? Am I a scrum master still learning? Because if I am, if I get in a situation where I have a very mature infrastructure, where there's a lot of great scrum masters and great teams, great coaches, I know I get in there, I'm going to learn from experts. I'm going to learn from people who are super sharp. I may be willing to do that, even if perhaps the salary isn't as high, right? The benefits aren't as great, but I know that when I go there, I'm going to learn and soak in so much and make great connections. You know, that can work out perfectly, even yeah. though the salary and benefits may not be exactly what I wanted, but I get that career growth and that, that exposure. That sounds fantastic. Or I'm in a position where I am more senior. What I'm looking to do is provide my leadership and my guidance organization that may need it, may an organization that has good intentions and some of the elements of the culture in place but they don't have right the right folks, right expertise yet to take them to that next level, right? In that situation, uh, as a more senior person looking to guide a company, I may want to take that up, up as an opportunity to really elevate the culture and capabilities of an organization from a leadership and guidance standpoint. So a lot of it depends on kind of where I am and what uh, uh, what my goals are as the person looking for the job. Yeah, okay. Um, so one more question for you before we move on to like your, your own personal job change recently um what about resumes people i get i have a lot of people ask me to look at their resumes which i'm like i am not somebody who can really i don't have expertise in that area that i can like do a lot to help people but um when they're trying to put a resume together are there things that you can suggest they do that will make them more appealing from like a scrum master perspective so I am not the expert here. I um, um, I struggle with that as well. In fact, you know, in today's world, I think the resume, I mean, it's still definitely a thing, right? However, it hasn't been a thing for me in years. Um, I think part of it is, is the reason is I think what happens now is your LinkedIn and your social presence becomes your digital footprint, right? Um, and your network uh, and your connections become your referrals. And uh, I've seen a lot of people get from position to position uh, where the resume is either not needed or is a pure formal formality to have to give to HR. Um, and so a lot of the cases, what I recommend, resume, we'll talk about it in a minute, but what I recommend is uh, have that LinkedIn re reflect kind of um, your experiences um, and have, you know, have the recommendations on LinkedIn. I would say engage LinkedIn. Uh, if you, if you, if you can provide thought leadership, put articles on LinkedIn, um, and build your network, right? Uh, go to conferences, events, go to user group meetings, build your network up. Now, in terms of the resume, uh, 
I am not the person to talk to here. I struggle with that as well. But in the past, I had, when I was younger in my career, used professional resume uh, people to kind of look it over and give me thoughts and advice and input. Uh, that may be a good idea. But yeah, the resume to me, um, that's a tricky one. I'm not uh, I'm not an expert I, at that either. But there are Dave, what do you think? There, there are people out there they can reach out to. I, I mean, I for me, I think for both of us, because we've been volunteering for so long, I mean, our jobs come through our friends because they're people that we've already done. We've worked with them, like we've we've done things with them, and that's how we build those relationships. But I do see a lot of resumes from people that are. It's almost like the resume is designed for them to showcase the things that they think are shiny about themselves. And I'm always trying to encourage people to create a resume that answers the things that are being asked for and the jobs you're posting for. Um, I think that that. There's things you might think are valuable, but if you're not speaking to what the resume is asking for, you're you're offering things that people might not need, maybe. Yeah, you know, that's a good perspective, Dave, because now I think about it, uh, I'm thinking now to the experience I've had where you know I've worked with clients to hire people and I had to review resumes. And so from an um, an agile standpoint, there's things I look for in resumes where I can tell if they understand the role or not, right? So uh, when you talk about creating environments of success, when you talk about serving leadership, when you talk about coaching and mentoring the teams, when you talk about removing impediments and enabling success, um, you know, those are positive signs, right? Uh, but if you're talking about managing people and managing the JIRA board and moving tasks, this and that, it um, it shows that the understanding of Scrum Master job is maybe more mechanical than mm-hmm. kind of understanding the true role. And so that's part of it. And then what people always you know, what people always say about resumes is highlight kind of the accomplishments, right? By doing this, we created a more satisfied workforce by having a 75% increase in our cost, our um, employee satisfaction surveys. Our defect rates were lowered by 25%. I know that in the past, we talked about highlighting the uh, the effect and value that we produced in our roles as well. Yeah. So I, I said that was going to be the last question, but I'm adding one more. Um, as many as you like. Well, we're going to talk about you in a second, but I have one more job about the scrum, one more question about the scrum master job. Um, I'm curious as to whether or not there are work experiences that people might have had that you look for that tell you like this person is probably going to understand aspects of scrum mastery that are really hard to teach. Yeah, when I see like a, a history of building high-performing teams, right? Okay. We've been in situations where they built success, where they built teams that are kind of uh, happy and productive. Basically, when I when I see things where we can see them helping individual teams and organizations make the transition, right? It's not how I as a scrum master got better; it's how I as a scrum master created better environments for everyone else. Um, I think that's a very positive sign. So, would that include things like? that are not technology and not scrum related. Like let's say that I managed a sales team somewhere. Right. And I, and I got that team to be like a highly functioning, cohesive group of people. Would that translate for you? Yeah. Let's say it's sales team, for example. Right. So what I would see there is I create a sales team where instead of each person working individually on the sales, they started working together where we were working. Uh, we moved away from individual commissions to team-based commissions and we were often pairing or working in cohorts to kind of, um, uh, attract new customers. And uh, when our uh, sales um, agent satisfaction ratings have improved and our customer uh, uh, review ratings have improved, stuff like that on a sales team uh, would be very indicative 
that this person could be a good scrum master because they create an environment where the team's working well as a team as opposed to individuals and they're communicating, collaborating, and delighting the customers while uh, creating an engaging work environment. Yeah, that'd be great on a sales team. Okay. Um, for me, it's always either um, if you've been somebody who survives on their tips, like a, a, a server in a restaurant or a bartender, or somebody who's been an assistant for an executive, like an administrative assistant. I mean, I've had both of those jobs, and um, those are the jobs that taught me what it means to be of service to other people and get no credit for the work that you've done. <laughs> but, but like if somebody, if I, you know, I worked for, for Clive Davis, the head of Arista and, and I was his nighttime assistant. I mean, I never got thanked for anything, but the job that I did made it easier for him to do his job. And if I didn't do my job well, it made it harder for him, which made it harder for other people, artists and things like that. Um, and so, I think you you can learn to be tuned into that in a different way if you had that kind of work in your work history. Um, yeah, I think being a, you know, I was a former server myself, and so I think being a former server allows you to kind of uh, you know it's interesting you you can quickly get to read people and kind of see yeah. what they're about in terms of your customers. Uh, so I think those are some great benefits. I've worked with servers that have been great to work with, where we help each other out when there's food on the line. Yeah, run it it's out a very collaborative other. gig. Uh, well, it can be, right? Whether yeah. it's tables need to be bus, we help the uh, people bus tables. But I've also worked for servers that only run their own food, only bus their own tables, right? And those servers, no one wants to work with. Yeah. And so for the great servers, yes, I agree. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so let's talk about you. So you decided at a certain point that you were going to go it alone, and that would be a, a pretty drastic job transition for a lot of people. So, so what what led to you wanting to, per, to you know, kind of head off and pursue this stuff by yourself or as an independent? Yeah, it's it, it's pretty scary uh, transition because ever since I graduated college, you know, ever since the the uh, mid-90s, I've always worked for a company and had that kind of salary coming in and the benefits coming in. But at this point in my career, with the last job, I, when I decided it was time to do something different, I decided rather than to kind of, um, um, you know, find another job, I, I want to really. I, move, I want to move away from having kind of employment and a boss to having kind of uh, clients and um, and a business, right? And so, uh, so that was the transition. And it's yeah, it's 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 uh, scary and rewarding at the same time. So I'm curious about how agile plays into that, into that transition, into you forming your own business and learning how to serve your clients, and like, what are the things that you're doing? that you can see like a direct connection back to the stuff we teach people to do? A lot of it's about prioritization, right? So one of the things I love teaching is uh, I love, uh, one of my passion areas is product ownership. And so as a product owner, right, when you're a product owner, you don't have an infinite sum of money. You don't have an infinite number of people, right? The moment you realize you don't have an infinite sum of money, you don't have an infinite number of people. It forces you to really um, prioritize and evaluate your kind of uh, product backlog and your initiatives, right? And same with starting a new company, right? You start a new company, you realize, wait, I have a very limited amount of time. It's just me. I have a very limited amount of money. And so based on that, I can't do everything at once. And so you got to identify what's highest priority things to do now um, versus next. And so that's what I do. I identify, you know, I started the LLC very quickly. I set up some of the infrastructure. I set just enough infrastructure to get the uh, cash flow coming in, uh, how to get uh, insurance, which, by the way, that's one of the scariest things as an independent U.S. 
is health insurance is not cheap. Ooh. No. And the Europeans may have the leg on this. It's health insurance in the U.S. is it's, it's pricey. Yeah. Um, but how did you set that up? So one of the things I'm working on this week right now is I don't have a website yet, but because of um, because of the way m- my work works, I, I already have uh, clients and revenue coming in. So I didn't need a re- website initially to draw on the initial clients and revenue yet, uh, but it's top of my list right now is to get the website up and running. So right now, Dave, you're going to ask me, what am I going to promote? I would love to be able to promote a website. TBD, you have to come. The company is Agility Well, it's going to take me like a couple of weeks to edit this. So maybe oh. by the time they listen to it, there will be a link in the show notes pointing directly. Maybe that's your target. You know what? We'll see what happens. Do you get this posted on the internet first, or do I get my website uh, yeah. live on the internet first? That'll be good. Uh, of a good contest, but it is going to be uh, agilityprimesolutions.com. So hopefully by the time this is posted, agilityprimesolutions.com is there, agilityprimesolutions. Uh, although I'm going to feel foolish if you beat me to it. So hopefully uh, it's, it's, you've got you a couple of it. weeks. It's going to take me a couple of weeks to get this one sorted out. Um, well, all right. So let me ask you one more question about this. So, when people start their own business, and this is something that I went through as well, um, it's hard to stay motivated. I mean, there's days when you're like firing on all cylinders and you get tons of crap done. And there's other days where it's like you just keep pulling the covers up over your head, hiding from the world because it just seems so dark and lonely. Um, I had to develop tools and mechanisms to keep myself motivated when the dark things showed up. So I'm, I'm wondering like, Maybe you can offer some advice to people on ways that you, I mean, you're a pretty positive guy anyway, but um, how do you keep yourself getting up, moving forward every single day, even on the days when it's really hard to do that? So I think a few thoughts on that. One is it's really important to have a network. Uh, So people like you, Dave, you and I are friends outside Mm -hmm. of the podcast. So reach out to people like you, reach out to, uh, uh, my my friends uh, to really kind of talk through the bad days, talk through rough days, and kind of commiserate and share. I think it's very important. A lot of you know we have you and I have a deep network within our industry, and so a lot of our friends have had similar experiences and uh, can give great thoughts and advice and support in these. So I think having a network to share that with is great. Also, just a network to say, hey, how did you do this? How did you build a website? What tools did you use? Stuff like that. I think is. Um, is important as well. So having the network in place, I think is great. Also realize it's okay. You know, if you have a bad day, you just want to, you know, you're the boss of yourself. So if you need to take the day off. If you need to just kind of check out for a bit, if you need to sit down and just do nothing for a bit, that's okay too. You know, I used you, to watch Jerry you, Maguire a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that was my, that was my sad was, movie. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, you got, yeah. Everyone finds their coping mechanism. Right? Yeah. So if you, if you had, joy or a relief from watching Jerry Maguire. That's great. Uh, and part of it too is look, you know, there's no salary. So, you know, the, the revenue is coming in as it comes in. And so just knowing that, Hey, um, you know, one of the things I've experienced now, I'm only about a month or so into this, so it's still relatively new to me. So there's some days where I feel like I'm going to be a billionaire. Right. But then there's some days where like, I think I'm going to be bankrupt in like two years. And so it just, it's weird. It's day by day. You know, it's, 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 there's, um, there's kind of that uh, that uncertainty, which is uh, part of the fun when you think you're doing well, but kind of scary when you think you're not. And so that's as a kind of well, uh, independent, you know, that's always out there. 
And I think that's also why it's so important that you have this like Uber driving vision for yourself. We talk about people having like a mission for a company or a vision statement for a product. I think you have to have that, whether you're looking for a job or um, you're going independent, like what are you gaining from this? I mean, maybe you're going to be a billionaire, maybe you're not, but that's not the reason you get most people get out of bed every day. Like, what are you going to learn? What experiences are you going to have? How does it give you freedom? Um, I mean, that kind of stuff can keep you going when it when it gets kind of lonely and dark. Well, I'm going to give some. Uh, I'm going to make the other half of your audience happy because I'm going to say that I don't know if I necessarily have that for myself. Okay. What I know right now is that. Uh, you know, when you're talking about Rich, what's your five, ten year plan? What's your exit strategy? What's this? I'm like, I don't know. Exit strategy. You're just starting. Why do you need an exit I'm strategy? Just starting. That's my point as well. I don't have any of that. So right now, all I'm doing at this point is look, right now I'm gonna put a foot forward every day um, until I have some of these things in place. Uh, at this point, I don't have a five, ten year plan per se. I have some things I'd like to achieve, uh, but I'm kind of you know, figuring it out as I go. So yeah. uh, to say, hey, I have this master vision of what this is going to look like, I don't. I don't. I have some ideas of what I think I might want to do with this, uh, but this is right now still very much evolving and still volatile. And so we'll see. But I think we'll that, that that's. I think we're in sync there because I wasn't suggesting that you have like this whole thing mapped out, but like learning how to be an independent person running your own business in this field. That's what you're doing right now. Learning how to stand up a company. Um, Dave, my big goal right now, you know my big goal right now is <laughs> having a website. The moment I have a website, I am super happy and I'm on to my next Fiverr is your friend, man. So, big goal right now is getting – I'm going to eat lots of fiber and I'm just going to – Not gonna fiber, the fiber. Oh, I thought you said fiber. <laughs> there we go. That is, that is actually a debate I'm having is whether I should buy or build. Should I uh, you know, bootstrap this and do it myself or should I um, – you know, get someone to do it for me. So that's, that's kind of, uh, I'm, I'm taking a shot. I'm, I'm with, I'm on Wix right now. I'm building it out and seeing if I want to go down that route, but, uh, you might be right. Maybe I just find someone, have them do it for me. But I, and I think that this is like, to me, one of the things that keeps me going is like, whatever I'm doing, I have to be learning new stuff. I have to be developing new skills. I have to be improving my game every day or creating content or doing something like that every day so that at the end of the day, it's not just I sat under the covers and watched Jerry Maguire for 12 hours because I was so depressed. Like there's got to be something more to my day than that. Um, you just make a little bit of progress every day and find the next right step. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. It's, it's, you know, one foot in front of the other, and eventually you walk a mile, and eventually you run a marathon. You should have said, and so. then you're walking out the door. That would have been perfectly <laughs> Christmas-themed. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I think that was a Christmas special. Anyway, all right, so if people want to get in touch with you and they want to find out about your classes or the coaching you're doing or any of the consulting work, they can go to your brand-new website, which is... It will be agilityprimesolutions.com, so hopefully soon. Until then, you can find me on LinkedIn, Richard Chang, C-H-E-N-G, or on Twitter at Richard K-C-H-E-N-G, or uh, email me, richard.c-h-e-n-g, at agilityprimesolutions.com. Awesome. All right. Good luck, man, and thank you. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me on, and 
Thank you for the wonderful chat.